So, for those of you who do not know me too well, I work at this place called Starbucks. Yeah, how about that? How about that coffee, right? So, I work at Starbucks with my friend Dan. So, um, I don't know why, but I've been getting a lot of odd followings because of my mustache. Yes, it's weird, I know. So, I'll be making my drinks do-do-do, this and that, making some lattes, making some frappuccinos. I know you guys all like frappuccinos. And whenever I, if you notice, I have my mustache swirled in a fancy, awesome way, obviously. That's why I do it. And people, if I don't do it, they're always like, Claude's, why don't you have it swirled today? And they almost have this weird following towards me. They, like, they know that I don't do it, and they always have to ask a question. They're always like, yo, nice mustache, man. Like, dude, like, it's so cool. Like, why didn't you swirl today? And I'm like... I don't know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to not swirl it, Um, I'll do it tomorrow, I promise, I swear, and all this stuff, and they have this weird, like, they just know me really well because of it, like, they don't care about me, they don't care about my day, I'll just say, hey, how you doing, and they're always like, nice mustache, dude, and I'm like, thanks, man, I'm good, I'm good also, though, and, like, they'll just completely not care, so I now have come to the conclusion, I am no longer a person, I am just the carrier of a mustache, so... You don't need to care about my name or anything like that. Just know that I'm the dude with the mustache. That's all you need to know. And it seems everyone who comes into my store just knows me now just because of the mustache. And that's all I need to know about. Um, and it almost drew me to a weird question that um, I think we can all ask ourselves. But not in like a weird facial hair sort of way like that. But the question that I'd want to ask is, what are you known for? And it's a very broad question. But I feel like since... All of these um, things, uh, what I've been coming in contact with and just reading and like all these things, just this question has just been very um, stirring in me. So like I was always just figuring out, what am I known for? So I'm thinking to myself like, you know, sports, um, music and stuff like that and doing all these other things, my mustache and, you know, all these fun things. Like, what are you known for? And like, it's a very broad out there question. It's like, oh, that's an easy question. But like tonight, I just hope that maybe that one question and then the following question I'll ask is, what do you know God for? And I feel like these are very broad questions that um, we sometimes always sort of know the answer to, or we always um, know of the question, but we never really take the serious time just to sit down and be like, hmm, who am I, or what am I known for, or what is God known for? What is even, like, how do I know God, or what do I know about him, besides the fact that, like, he is, you know, this... uh, supernatural thing that I can't see but interacts with us and like all this weird stuff. But it's these two questions that I hope you can join with me just through the night and maybe somehow we can uncover and just figure out and get a little truth shown on these two questions of what am I uh, known for and what do you know God for? And um, basically what I want to come through, um, I'm going to speak out of Luke 15 um, verse 11. And um, it's going to be telling the story of the prodigal son. So right off the bat, I, I could already like see all of these little things coming to your head, like Sunday school, all these things. But I would just please ask you, if you've heard this story before, maybe just to almost erase just the notions and all the thoughts that you've had about this story, if you know about it, and just to almost come in with a new open mind and a different uh, view on what I want to speak about, because um, it's a very known thing. And yeah, so... Let us get to it. So Luke 15, verse 11. So basically, Jesus um, just spoke to a huge crowd, and he was telling these people uh, two stories prior. So now he's coming in, and he's telling 
um, almost a conclusion story to uh, what he was speaking about. So verse 11, uh, he goes, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Um, The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So basically this little kid is like, dad, I want my inheritance. I want my stuff. Just give it to me. So basically, um, back in the old culture of things, um, if a father had two sons or two, you know, children, the oldest children, oldest child would get two-thirds of the property and everything that the father has. So two-thirds gets a lot of stuff. So if the father is very wealthy, this kid is getting a lot of dough. And this kid is the younger brother. So he gets one-third. And when you get this inheritance, um, you get it once the person's dead. You never really ask your father, hey, I want my stuff now. You're basically saying like, dad, like, I know you're alive, but can you just like die already so I can have my stuff? It's kind of a very weird question to ask your dad. And it's a very like not traditional question to ever ask your father because back then it was just sort of like, whoa, like, what are you doing, guy? Like, why are you asking these kind of questions? But it just says he provided his property between them. So like the dad like didn't like scold him, didn't do anything. He was just like, all right, you want to divide the property? Sure, go ahead. I'm going to do it. So this kid now gets a third of the property. He has all this stuff, right? So now um, we're going to continue with verse 13. So not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. So all he had, all the father gave him and all his stuff. And he goes off into a distant country. Um, so he leaves where he, was, he grew up in and lived. And he just takes it all and just runs, basically. But he squanders, his, he squanders all of it, all of his wealth in wild living. So partying and all this stuff, he's like just burns through all this money like there's nothing. He just makes it rain. He goes ham with the money. So after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So can you just imagine that? You have a lot of money. You just, you literally thought like you had the payday. Like you just took all this stuff from your dad. You're like, I'm going to be independent. I'm ready to go and all this stuff. And this kid burned through all of the money, and then a famine came into that country. So there's no more food, like the place is going nuts, and now this kid's in need. So now all the independence this kid thought he had is now squandered, gone because of his foolishness and just burning all of his cash and all this stuff, and now he is in need. So, wow, like what is, how is this anything, how is this going to continue into this question I asked before? Let's just find out. Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. That's gross. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So hold up. This kid has no money, so the kid's like, all right, I'm going to be a citizen. I'm going to hire myself out to the citizen. I'm not even, I'm just going to be a slave now. I'm just going to work and try to make my money back because I just burned it all. So now this kid is like, Working with pigs, and come on, that's gross, man. I, I don't know if any of you guys have been near pigs, but I, when I was younger, there was this place called, I don't even know what the, the farm's name was. No, uh, Hoyt Farm. Dude, there was a pig there, and it smelled so bad, and it just sat there and laid there. I thought it was dead, but it was always alive. The thing was gross. I couldn't imagine going five feet even close to this thing. I wouldn't even go near the cage. All the little kids are like going near the cages. They're like, whoa, look, it's a pig. And I'm like, that thing's disgusting. I'm not smelling that thing. Good luck, pal. I'm not doing that. So this guy is working with the pigs. He's cleaning up all of like their waste. He's feeding them. And now this kid is like starving and he wants to eat out of their food, 
Now that's gross. Um, the best thing I could probably describe to that kind of food is that low is like White Castle. So just imagine White Castle is in there. I wouldn't even go near it. Like that's what the pigs were eating. They're eating White Castle. That's it. And if you guys like White Castle, I'm sorry, but it's terrible. It's gross. It looks like it took a shower before like you just ate it. So I don't know, man. Like that's what the pigs were eating. And this kid couldn't even get any of it because it says no one gave him anything. He couldn't get any of this. So this kid is not in a good place right now. Um, now he is technically a hired slave, basically. So now, in verse 17, he comes to his senses, and probably the smell got to his nose and woke up something in his brain, and he said, and he finally thought, he was like, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now, this is where I want to almost drive it into the question I asked prior to, who do you know yourself as? Now, this kid just did all the bad things. He didn't do anything good, took all his father's money, basically like treated his father as dead, took it all. Then he spent it all ridiculously. Now this kid's eating with pigs. And then finally, he just thinks to himself, servants of my father are getting fed and all this stuff. And he does, And this kid's starving. He's all down and out. And he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm going to go back to my father, and, he's gonna, and I'm going to tell him that I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, so just make me like one of your servants. So now this kid used to be rich, but now he's settling himself just to be a servant. Like, how, like, ridiculous is that? Like, like, I don't know if any of you guys felt like that before, but I have felt like that a lot. Um, I am not the most clean, like, wholesome person probably around. I mean, now I, now I try to strive to be. But back then, man, I used to be so bad. I used to give my parents a run for my money and do all this stuff. And I almost wanted to run away millions of times like this kid. But just to almost come to my senses and just be like, I'm going to go home and just be a servant. Like, this kid used to be rich, had all his food, all this money, and all this stuff, and now he is fine with just being a servant, you know? Like, he, he would just work. Like, he doesn't, he just thinks his father is just this person that's going to be cold-hearted and just be like, you know what? Yeah, be a servant, man. Like, you blew all your money. Like, that's it, dude. You ruined it. And I feel like sometimes maybe we think God's like that sometimes when we run away. We run away, and we do all the things we want to do, and we think that we're doing everything on the right track, and we run, and we just do all these things, and then the famine comes, right? The famine comes, and then we're like, how am I going to go back to God? How is that going to happen? I just blew all this money away, and now I'm doing all this stuff. I'm eating out of White Castle trays, and now I'm, I'm what? And this kid's settling to be a servant. And just the internal struggle of this kid, just from almost asking himself who this kid is, he, he must wonder who he is because now he's a servant, and now he wants to be a servant of his own father. So... I have no idea what's going to go on now. So now, I actually do know what's going on, but just kidding. Um, so anyway, um, so he gets up and he goes to his father, right? So in verse 20, continuing, he says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son then said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, 
bring the best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is, and is now found. So then began to celebrate. So complete 180 from what this kid thought was going to go on. He comes home. And before he even gets to his house, it says that um, while he was still in the distance, his father saw him. And, you know, if I think if I was in that guy's shoes, I would have saw him. And I, I'm, thank God I'm not a dad because I would have probably saw him and I would have been like, you know what? You chose what you got to do, man. See ya. Go back in my house and enjoy. And, you know, I have another kid, you know, but I'm not a dad. So thank God. <laughs> but anyway, this guy does a complete 180 of what the son thought he was going to do. Um, from a distance, he sees his son and runs to him, runs to him and embraces him. And just before um, the son is about to get to like this little Um, conversation he had previously and telling himself how right before he was about to say, like, I want to be a servant for you and blah, 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 how his father just wraps himself around him and he just says, you know, get my best robe, get my ring, like, let's, let's party, like, my son has returned. Like, do you ever think about that? Like, maybe sometimes we're so afraid and we almost think and overplay these sort of, sort of conversations in our head whenever we mess up. We usually just run away and we, and we usually beat ourselves up with these thoughts of, You know, I lusted or I, I stole something or um, I didn't do the best I could have done according to God. And if I go back to God, like, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll be a servant. I'll, I'll have food. I'll have water. I'll have, like, enough to sustain. But would you, ever, would you ever even think that maybe God would just be like, like, there he is. There's my son. There's my child. Like, I'm going to run to him and give him the best I could possibly give him despite the fact that, you know, this kid did all these horrible terrible things, like, to me, like, that just completely blew my mind almost in just a different light of just, you know, this kid just messed up, ran home, and his father was just like, let's celebrate. Like, this kid is back. Like, let's celebrate. This kid um, is, you know, great. And basically, just the point that I want to make from there is, no matter what we do, we are known as God's sons and daughters. Do you, I mean, I know we hear about that, we read about that a lot, but does that ever just like hit you for a moment that you are a son and you are a daughter of the most high God? Like, I want you just like to sort of think about that. Like, put yourself in the feet of this guy, just completely just doing all the wrong things and coming home. And, you know, he was so fine with being a servant. That, that part, I think, really just was just like the best part. Like this kid was so sold on just being a servant. Like he almost forgot who his father was. He almost just saw his father as just possessions and just money and cattle and all these other things. But he kind of forgot that God, like God in this parable is a father too. And he loves his children. And that despite whether, I guess if I would run away or you would run away or you mess up, that if you come home, your parents are going to love you. They're going to love you so much despite, you know, anything. I just remember, like, um, last summer, um, I went longboarding. I wiped out so hard. I had all these cuts and bruises. Now, wouldn't that be weird if I had all those cuts and all those burns on me and I thought, nah, I can't go home. I can't go home. I can't go home. Like, they're not going to love me. I messed up. I got all these, you know, I got all these wounds on me. Like, I can't go back. Like, I didn't wear... Um, 
my elbow pads, my helmet. I didn't wear anything. My parents told me to do it. I didn't do it. I just went on my own, and now I wiped out. What are they going to say when they found out I didn't wear my elbow pads and knee pads? Are they going to kick me out and all these weird things? And that's almost weird, but that's sort of how we almost treat God sometimes. We mess up. We fall down sometimes, and we always forget that there's a God that is waiting for you to come home and just take care of you. So when I come home, I run right into my my, um, my bathroom, and I'm, so, and I'm looking at myself, and I'm like, I got to wash myself really quick. They're never going to know anything. I'm like throwing water on me and all this stuff. And my brother's playing Xbox. And I'm like, John, John, you got to come over here right now. You got to come over here right now. If mom and dad see me, and he's playing Xbox. He just mindlessly like has his, his headset on. He's playing like Minecraft or something with Billy or whatever. And this kid like does not even care at all. I'm like, John, you need to get over here. He's like, dude, I don't care right now. So I quickly sneak upstairs, and I sneak past my parents and all this stuff. And they're like, and finally, I'm just like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm so, I'm so done right now. And um, basically, um, I, I'm like, Dad, I messed up really bad. Can you come in here for a second? And he comes in, right? And, he, and I show him my arms, and I show him my legs. And he just looks at me, and he's just like, whew, okay, let's go get Mom. <laughs> he had no idea what to do, but he loved me anyway, which is the most important part. He had no idea what to do, though, because he's not the best when it comes to wounds and stuff like that. So my mom comes rushing up. And I'm like, Mom, if you look at me right now, I need you to promise me something. And she's like, what? And I'm like, you can't freak out if you see what, I, what I'm about to show you. Because my mom is very like, oh, my God, you're going to pain. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, I'm singing. But he's very, she's very, like, over the top. She's a very, like, traditional Italian mom. She's just like, I need to make sure you're okay. I need to make sure my baby's okay. So she's, like, throwing peroxide on me. And I'm like, oh, God, this is killing me right now. But, you know, despite like all those things and all like my internal thoughts and stuff of thinking like, am I going to get in trouble? Like that was the last thing like they even mentioned, like when I came home, whatever. They were just more concerned that I was okay. I was safe. Like I didn't have to go to the ER or anything. Like that was the most important thing to me. Well, to them and stuff like that. So, you know, God is like that to you. Like when you mess up, you, you do whatever you got to do. Like he is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to just be like, Daddy, I messed up. And it's easy as that. Like, you don't have to come in and be like, oh, holy God, and like do all these like, I mean, you could pray like that, but you don't have to go into this, you know, almost like this fake sort of thing. Like, you could just be as simple as, Dad, I'm hurting right now. Dad, I messed up. Dad, I ran away from you. I didn't listen to you, but Dad, could you just help me? Can you just love me? And you just see from here, like, that the Father is least bit concerned about being like, no, go home. I mean, go back to where you came from. Like, you messed up. He was more concerned of just celebrating and loving on his son. So we continue in just verse 29. Not in verse 29. Yes. So we fast forward a little bit, and the oldest son finds out that the youngest son comes home, right? And um, he is not happy. So all of them are, like, in the house. They're all having their party. They're enjoying this stuff. The dad kills a fattened calf. And back then, that was a very huge deal. It was like prime. Like you only kill like the fattened calf for like a very special occasion. And the son, the oldest son was not happy. He did not want to come inside. And basically guards and um, servants were telling the father, hey, listen, like your oldest son, he's not coming inside. He seems to be very upset. So the father goes up to him and he says like, like what's going on? So in verse 29, we get the answer from the oldest son. Um, He says, he answered his father. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. 
Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? So he's just very mad. And the father just says, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother is brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And just seeing this too, like this is a complete different scenario of just how um, a child responds to his father. So this older son sees that the son runs off and does what he has to do. And to the son, he thinks, I slaved after you. I did everything you told me to. I did all of these things. Why did I not get a party like this and blah, blah, blah. And he's almost um, just in a different mindset. The first son is thinking, I need all this good. I need all these goods and I need to just run away from my father and stuff like that. But this son is thinking, I need, if I do everything I can to obey my father, then I'll get good stuff. So we see two different mindsets of how these sons are just completely not knowing the heart of their father. They, one runs away from him and doesn't care about him. And the other one is thinking, if I listen to this, this guy and do everything I say, then I'm going to get some good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to ask any earlier than I have to. I'm going to get some good stuff. And this almost draws this contrast just for people almost who have been a Christian for a very long time. And you're almost like, why am I not getting a miracle or it's something that I want right now? Like, I'm following you. I'm doing everything right. I'm listening to the laws. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm doing all these things. And they almost wonder, why am I not getting what I want? And to almost answer that, I just want to ask, like, do we ever come to God as just a father sometimes, or are we just coming to him with a wish list? And to, for me, I've done that so many times. I am not excluded out of that. I, there were seasons in my life where I would just sit and be like, you know what, um, I want to get into a good school and stuff like that. If I just do what I got to do, pray, if I just... Um, come to youth group every week and do all these things and sit five minutes after the prayer time and just sit there just to myself and make people think I'm praying or whatever, then I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to get my answer or I'm going to get uh, the girlfriend I want or I'm going to get the grades I want and stuff like that. And we almost, we almost think that by following just a list of things that we think that we're going to get what we want rather than just thinking that there is a God that loves you, that wants to know you and not just you know, treat you as a servant or something that just wants to genuinely get to know you and stuff like that. And um, to me, that's just two different sides of the equation. One who just does not care about God and the other person who thinks that they're doing everything right in God. But at the same time, this kid doesn't realize, like, um, like his father said, like, you were always with me and everything I have is yours. Everything I had is yours. So this kid didn't even realize that the stuff he was crying about like, was already his. So when the father, it said, he said in the beginning, divided his stuff, the son had everything then. But yet he just thought, I got to do and do and do and do and do. And God just is after your heart sometimes. He's not just, he's not just a cold-hearted person who's just waiting for you just to come with a list. He wants to know you. He wants to know your problems. He wants to know that you care also about him too and that also brings just a difficult question to us sometimes. Like, do we, you know, genuinely strive to chase after God for his heart? Or do we chase after God just for the things he can give us? And it's a very difficult question that um, 
you know, is not just like the simple, I mean, maybe for some people it is. Maybe someone, someone in here just knows, like, I'm just doing lists and I'm not really in it for the heart of God. And um, the question also that I would just like to ask um, is just what in your life is getting in the way of your identity as a son and daughter of Christ? So for the first son, it was obviously this kid just wanted stuff instantly. And he just wanted money. He just wanted self-gratification. He just wanted all these things. And that turn took him away from a loving father who was more than willing just to give him things that he needed, but he wanted to do it on his own. So right then and there, we just see from that perspective that that was getting in the way of him just realizing all the mess ups he had. It got in the way of him just being like, I am a son and daughter of, in the story, a powerful and loving person. And then for the second child, we see that for him, it was just doing good works and just doing everything and just almost like acting as if he was like a slave to his father and if he would do all the right things, that he would get the things he wanted. And we see clearly in this that that got in the way of just his identity in Christ. And a lot of both ends I've teetered on. Um, I've done a lot of just running away and doing a lot of bad things that um, I would always think just God would never care for anymore and that God would never love me or just almost just brush it under the rug. And then there was also times where I was thinking, I'm going to youth group every week. I'm doing all of this. Like, God, do you see how good I'm doing? Like, can I have my good stuff now? And God is just after your heart, man. Like, he just loves you. Like, he sees your heart too. Like, when, when those times when I was doing all the faulty things of just doing the motions or whatever, he knew my heart. He knew that I didn't really care or whatever. And, you know, just almost to just self just be aware of yourself and just to look inside sometimes some from time to time um it was really funny i was talking to my dad before just about the message and um we were just talking just back and forth and one thing just came up like we were just talking about just being known and just being in society and like it was really sad but i i asked um i was just curious and i was just like you know what like we we talk about people all the time we always like chat and we're always like figuring out almost instantly like what we like to do or like what we're good for and stuff like that. And we go down this huge list, right? So like if you figure out who I am, it's like I love sports. I love music. It's like I love working at Starbucks. I love being here. I love you guys. But it's like how far down the line would that go? How far would I just keep talking and talking and talking until I realize that I am a son and I know I am a son of God? You know, like, does, does anyone ever, like, think that sometimes? Like, we go through this list of what you're known for, like, being good at sports, being, you know, a really funny person, really outgoing and stuff like that. But when does that list just stop for yourself and just to be like, I am God's child. Like, God loves me. Like, I am important to God. You know, like, that kind of thinking to me, like, when I thought that before, I was just like, man, like, I'm still not good at this. Like, I... I could just have all these checklists of things I'm known for and all these stupid things like my mustache, my stupid hair, and all these stupid things that like, I think is important to people and stuff like that, but it all fades. You know what I'm saying? Like It's going to go. But the thing that's going to last is the fact that you are known as a daughter and a son of Christ. And that is something that is going to be very, very important, just especially for people who are getting ready for just college or just later years in high school, like, all those things are going to just, they're going to go further. They're going to just pass by. But the thing that's going to be constant in that long list of things that you're known for is the fact that you are known as a God, 
I mean, as a child of God, you know? And just to challenge you with just that question of what are you known for and just what are the things that are just getting in the way? Like we just see obviously that God is someone who just wants to get to know you and just love you no matter what you've done, whether you've spent all the time in the world with him or you literally just met him now. And just my challenge for you is just to deeply, just deeply invest in just this question and just almost let it drive you at a certain point to just be like, am I known for being a child of God or do I, am I secure in that? Like when I say that, am, is it just something that I, I just tell to my Christian friends or is this something that is going to last in other places like my job or like school? Like are these, is this truth going to be the foundation or is it just going to be one of those things that I'm just like, hey, my name's Claudio and um, yeah, I'm a godfather um, and yeah, I like um, chicken. I don't know. I like chicken. Whatever. But, you know, is this, is this going to be an important thing? And just to be a very, um, just to make it matter, you know what I'm saying? Like, it matters. And just to just drive this point one more time, no matter what we do, we are known as God's sons and daughters. And I just feel like someone just really, really needs to hear that tonight, that God loves you. And, you know, Kevin says this all the time. I hear, I hear him say it all the time when he, when he just prays for certain people. And, it really hits home for me every time I hear him say it, that God loves you for who you were in the past. He loves you for who you are now. And then he loves you for who you were in the, who you are going to be in the future. You know, so everything you have done, everything you think about now, like everything you are going to do, that is covered. Like when, that is it. Like finito, sorry, like you're done. Like God loves you, that's it. And just to be more in tune with that, to know that God is a father who loves you is just something that I think is something that is very complex as well as something so simple. Like, God is our father. Um, and just, you know, that's it. So just to close with that, no matter what we do, um, no matter what we do, we are known as God's sons and daughters. Um, can you just pray with me as the band just gets ready to come on up? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I just thank you just for tonight, God, and just your heart just for us, God, and that how much you love us and just how much uh, you care for us. And I just pray, God, that just you just hit our hearts, Father God, just very deeply tonight, Father, and that you would almost just draw us closer to you, Lord, and that you would just allow us just to be vulnerable with you at times, Father, and that you would just allow us just to have nothing get in the way of just our identity that we have in you, Lord, that we would just, despite everything I've said, just let um, this one point just kick in, that I am a son and daughter of the Most High God, and that no matter what I do or the ma no matter how good I am or no matter how um, well kept I am to the rules and the law, Father, that but that you would love me, that you love me anyway, Father, and that you would just allow that truth and just allow that to just um, be the driving force of just how we live our lives, God, and that we would never let that shake from us, Father, and that we would just come into this next set of worship, Lord, and just be vulnerable and just have our arms open to you and just say, Dad, I am not okay, or Dad, I'm doing great right now, but could you just please... Like in the story, just run to me. You see me in the distance, but can you just please come to me, wrap your arms around me and put on the best 
you have for me, God, and that you would just accept me for who I am, Lord. And if you are not a Christian or you are not a follower of God, I'll just give you this opportunity now just to just pray a little thing just alongside with me if you just want to know what the satisfaction in Christ would be. And if you want to, you just follow with me. So you would just say, God, I'm sorry for just doing my own thing at times, God, and I just pray that you see me in the distance and you don't turn your back on me and I want to know you for that, God. And that I want you to come into my life and I want you to just transform me and I want to be known as a son and daughter of you, God. And we just pray this all and just in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.